0: Thought Leaders, Storytellers and Griots, sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. So part of our Thought Leaders, Storytellers and Griots, we are looking at uh, what we call, uh, as part of our focus, is a small world. Trying to understand the geopolitics of the world and indeed the impact that it would have on us Today, now this August, in fact it was last week, marks 75 years since the partition of the Indian subcontinent. The British withdrew from the region and it prompted the creation of two new states, India and Pakistan. And in fact, this decision, partition, unleashed one of the biggest human migrations of the 20th century when more than 10 million people fled across the borders seeking safe refuge. It was a time of extreme, extreme violence, and um, it was has been described, in fact, by scholars as genocidal. So we thought we'd try and understand what the partition was, how it happened. And I got a professor, Navtej Puruel on the line. She's a professor of political sociology and development studies at the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London. And I asked her, what was partition that happened in 1947?
1: So the partition that happened in 1947 was the outcome of
0: over 250
1: years of British colonial rule in India. And actually, we might say that a much longer time period of European colonization, which took place over a protracted period of several centuries. And basically, 1947 is, it's not the end necessarily, um, but it is the kind of moment in which colonialism is ending in many parts of the world in terms of the British Empire. Um, It's the end of World War II Um, Empires becoming expensive, um, unmanageable for for the British government. And it's at that point um, in February of 1947 where we see that what was supposed to take place in actually 1948 very quickly um, Hmm. turns into a plan for withdrawal of the British from its direct uh, presence in India. So it's a withdrawal of British colonial presence, but it's also partition is also about the split um, of India into two nations of India and Pakistan.
0: One of the myths that you cover in the article that I read, and I was actually not completely aware of this, was that the continent of India was in fact not under direct all of it, was not under direct colonial rule, which then made the idea of partition of cutting it up into India as we know today and then Pakistan, a very strange actually approach.
1: Absolutely. If you look at any of the maps um, of around that time period, which show 1947, sort of before and after independence, you can see that there's over 550 princely states. Each of them had to negotiate a separate kind of arrangement. They'd already negotiated that with the British. But after 1947, each had to negotiate their terms of inclusion within the the Federation of India, and they become subsumed into India and Pakistan. Both, actually, there are princely states that are also can be seen in what is present day Pakistan. So it makes it geographically. It's very complex. It's not a matter of drawing neat lines across the place in terms of countries being formed, uh, or on, on the basis of a representative population, they, this is a very diverse uh, subcontinent, um, and it's diverse not only in terms of uh, communities, in terms of religion, in terms of caste, in terms of language, regional differences, but you can also see princely states, which on the face of it you are just pocket, huge pockets across the region, and and all of that then must be at that moment in 1947, understood to be either belonged to India or Pakistan. So it's a gross simplification really of mm. diversity that, that existed.
0: In the article that you are one of the authors of, you talk about the different myths. And one of the myths is that there was long-term planning by the British when it came to the partition. And yet from what you've said earlier and from what you've written, it happened literally within weeks.
1: Yes, it happened within weeks. And actually, the person who is credited with drawing um, the line uh, or lines was um, Cyril Radcliffe. He had five weeks, basically, to um, achieve the task of delivering the boundaries through the Boundary Commission, which he chaired. And uh, we see that which should have probably taken much, much longer. If there was going to be a partition at all, it certainly needed much more consideration, but it was a matter of a quick exit. And I think it's very clear, we can see from the, the kind of documents and from taken from the archives, that it was a rush to deliver something for the purpose of British withdrawal rather than delivering for the, the populations that lived in South Asia. And I think that that's very clear, the, the violence that we see that erupted in 1947. Is, is Much of it's an outcome of that. It was very rushed. It made people feel insecure. It made people turn on their neighbors. They suddenly, you know, religious identities came to the fore. Um, and I think a lot of people question that. How and why is it something that was such a serious decision to be made? Why did it, why was it done so quickly and so, in and, in and, and a manner which, we won't say it wasn't planned. It was just a short-term planning and a quick exit, which was prioritized over having a safe exit. And it's also widely known that actually Mountbatten, from his own um, um, kind of um, memoirs of the time, um, had no idea. He he thought that he was delivering something that was going. It was a success as it was as it was happening during the months of July and August. He thought that that departure and the withdrawal. Um, he he prioritized them over possibly the the idea of this partition and the violence that was then going to erupt.
0: Talk to us about the violence. There are huge numbers related to the deaths that took place, but also the refugees the fact that suddenly people who were considered themselves to be Indian were suddenly Pakistan, those who were in Pakistan were suddenly in India. I mean, the borders were just announced uh, forthright as of the August the 17th. What then happened?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, some of the violence began the previous year 1946 also. So actually, yes, the, the idea of partition or the idea that there was going to be change was was widely known. But what happens in August, I think, is the is that independence, which is celebrated in Pakistan the 14th and then on the 15th in India, happens. But it's not until the 17th, as you just mentioned, a few days later, when we actually know where the where the lines are going are drawn, and where the kind of you know territorial boundaries of India and Pakistan are. And so there were villages a, across both sides where there were announcements made one way and then reverse the other. And what we saw was a violence that was, um, you know, it's been quite well documented now um, as well through a number of different ways of sources, but of course the oral histories that were collected really over the last few decades have have really brought to light the level of the violence, but I suppose it's the mass collective violence that we saw, which really has traumatized the entire region Mm -hmm. where an entire village where you'd see genocide of um, an entire population on the basis of them being either the minority the minority and a majoritarian, you know, if Sikhs, if in a, in a village, say in an area which might have um a high, you know a, lot of, a sizable population of other communities and Muslims in, in populations where they may be seen as the minority. And this is where we see the the violence, a very masculine, very hyper-masculine kind of violence being wreaked um on. Men and women, but also, I mean, I think one of the one of the most shocking forms of violence is the ways in which religious identities became so heightened that Mm. we saw communities even killing their own women to save them from the, the shame that might come if their women were abducted or raped. And so there are accounts of that kind of violence All also. It's a time period, I think, that we might say has marked the birth of these two countries, India and Pakistan, that they emerge out of violence. They don't emerge out of a, a peaceful transfer of power. Um, they emerge out of a violence that really, really shook the core of these societies, which are really diverse. So I think that's what, what we, we're interested in looking at now in terms of my own research. Um, And I've kind of gone back and forth across the border between India and Pakistan, in the region of Punjab in particular, but other areas too, where you see ordinary people, everyday kind of culture really thriving. And there is a lot of um, intercommunity, if you want to call it that, intercommunity kind of affinity, you know, literature, music language you know those are those are big important parts of how people relate to one another religion isn't the only way that people mm-hmm. identify and i think partition made religion very much the, the identity of of the politics that we've seen until now
0: i mean it seems kind of interesting if we consider what is happening in india currently with regards to the current uh, hindi party being the ruling party and what is going on in the country with regards to that, the Hindus and the Muslims and, and how that is playing out. Do you think that that is perhaps seeded by the partition?
1: Absolutely. I think majoritarianism, if we want to call it that, has shaped both India and Pakistan, um, not because they're naturally, I think, I think it's the process of coming to, nationhood, which is based on the idea of a majority. And even though in India, we might we have to give credit, I suppose, to the Congress, Indian National Congress leaders, they, they never used religious, overtly used religious symbols. They would always defend the idea of Indian secularism. But actually what we also have seen, and there are a lot of critiques um, of Gandhi, and of course, South Africa, we hear a lot of critiques about Gandhi in terms of his yeah. ideas on race, um, right. but also in terms of caste in India. Um, he was against untouchability, but didn't really challenge the caste system per se. But we can see this kind of commitment to secularism without actually really challenging majoritarian uh, power. And yeah. what what we saw as a result of that silence, we've seen the rise of majoritarianism. Um, and it, and it is what we see in power now, the BJP, BJP. the Bharatiya Party. Yeah, they are a Hindu majoritarian uh, party based on the idea of Hindutva. And it it is very much about asserting the idea of India as a Hindu nation. Pakistan, in its own right, had to defend itself, I suppose, in terms of its own creation by saying it's a it was a safe land for um, a safe homeland, sorry for for Muslims. Um, and now we see what's happening in India with um, attacks on Muslims. We've yes. seen lynchings. We've seen a lot of violence against minorities, Christians and Muslims there.
0: So that is Professor Navtesh Purval. She's a professor of political sociology and development studies at the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London, talking about partition and some of the impact there. We'll talk further about that impact and what it means for us today. What does it mean for us in South Africa when we talk about identity politics and we think about uh, the diverse identity politics that we have in South Africa. And in a moment, we'll be chatting to Salman Khan, who's an independent geopolitical analyst of Southeast Asia. He's a PhD candidate of political science and international relations at the University of Johannesburg.